Hey, everybody. Welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. I'm here with Chandler Klebs and Jamie Soden. My name is George Ortega. And today, we've got two kind of themes. We, one theme is like how free will belief hurts us. It hurts us on a personal level. It hurts us societally. It hurts us as a world. And our second theme is how our religions, that in many cases haven't evolved or changed their views for several thousand years are the main source of this of this you know unnecessary suffering caused by this belief in free will and again we're not going to blame religion we're not going to blame churches and synagogues and mos mosques or the the rabbis and ministers and allahs whatever we're not going to blame them but we need to identify them as the cause of this like this kind of like you know um curse of humanity this 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 horrible delusion that humanity's under that causes so much pain. Okay, um, guys, who who wants to start us in terms of like why free will belief is so harmful to us as people, you know, individually and as a society? Well, I think I can I can do that. Um, yeah. See, uh, the problem is people are you know blame they blame others. And themselves for doing things that they couldn't really have done otherwise um, because to do otherwise they would have had to have been a different person had different desires emotions genetics all, all that stuff and and it's so weird because it leads to this this anger and this hatred and and it's it's really strange because I used to have that problem I used to genuinely just um, hate people like because they do evil things um, and I didn't, and I didn't get it. But you know, a, a lot of that might be the fact that I was raised in the religion of Christianity, and I was taught about, you know, that people deserve to be punished for their sin and all this stuff, and everything was a sin. Uh, just about every possible thing someone could do was a sin. But I don't, and I guess, um, yeah, I just noticed that it it never actually helped anything. Like you, you blame a person like, well, this person could have done otherwise and they chose to do this bad thing of their free will. But you know what? It doesn't even help. Even if it was true, which it's not, it doesn't actually help. All it does is like you get angry at that person for choosing to do something and you don't know that there are causes that led them to do it. Right. Let's explore this in more detail. Jamie, let's say like a friend of yours. I mean, and let's get all right. Uh, we can use something that's maybe real, real life. In other words, like sometimes to explain things like this, we might use some science fiction, like a, a scientist puts an electrode in a person's brain and controls their brain. But let's let's get a bit more realistic. Let's say like one of your friends, Jamie, um, who's ordinarily a nice guy, very polite, whatever, um, law abiding, you know, um, He's in a, in a in a bar with you or in a restaurant, and and um, you see you, you see somebody put something in his drink. Somebody spike his drink with some kind of like an agent, a chemical, you know, that yeah. that, that will cause him that that and and you know you don't know what it was. You just see it, and unfortunately, he drinks it before you can do anything about it. And then like you know when you're leaving the restaurant, he goes out and he starts committing crimes he starts destroying property he starts like you know yelling let's say at, at people whatever how are how are you going to view him how are you going to view that situation are you going to feel 
angry at him at all? Um, well, if I knew if I knew that the chemical caused him to do that kind of stuff, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be angry at him, but I'll be angry about what he's done there. So. Certainly, and and like not um, not only would you not be angry with him. Would you would you kind of like feel a bit compassionate for him because like he's gonna probably get in trouble with the law, right? Of course, yeah. But I'll I'll also be angry with, um, with the person who's um, you know spiked his drink because um, that's uh, that would have uh, been the, you know the reason why he had that violent outburst to begin with. Uh, Jamie, okay, so that that brings us directly into uh, what we're talking about with religion and the church. So in other words, like you know, as Chandler was somewhat explaining. Um, to the extent that we human beings don't have a free will, that we understand that, you know, like in, in that case, you know, that that person whose drink was was, you know, spiked and went out and did, it wasn't up to him because like, you know, there's nothing he could have done about it. To the extent we understand that if we're religious people like 80, 90 percent of us are here in the United States, uh, you know, a bit less so in, in, in England, um, then we're we're left with the unescapable. Well, maybe not completely unescapable, but we're left somewhat concluding that if it's not our fault when we do things wrong, when we like do crimes and and you know do horrible things, then it has to be God's fault. You know, because if God is all powerful, you know, and so that that I think is is a problem. That's one reason I think why the church, why religions find it so difficult to accept this, um, this, this truth, this fundamental truth that free will is an illusion. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, George, because as many, like if you've ever listened to a lot of, you know, atheists out there who left, you know, Christianity, you'll find that that's their attitude. Like, well, you know, if this God did exist, it would be God's fault because God could have created a world without pain, you know, that sort of thing. And it, it's kind of a strange thing because what, here's, the, here's what's kind of interesting is they, they basically, yeah, they, they have to – yeah, there's that belief, well, God could have done otherwise. So in a way, they're attributing a free will belief to God, and you've even talked about how – wait, how would that work? You know what I'm saying? Like that's – it's – and the concept of like all-powerful implies that – this God, which is almost always in the context of Christianity, like it's always viewed as a like a man in the sky, you know, a conscious thing like that. And it's weird because people then they get angry at God, which is interesting because while it's it's better than being angry at the human beings around you, I suppose. But a lot of people who are in that who grew up in that and they start getting angry at God because of bad things that happen in the world. Well, then they're blaming God. So in a way it takes them away from the blaming of other humans, but it causes another problem. It causes a problem where, where basically God is, they have this enemy out there in the sky somewhere. And that's not a very healthy thing either, but that's what happens to a lot of them. All right, Chandler, that's a great point. So let's explore that. So Jamie, um, let's let's say, well, you know, because people either blame God or if, if a person is an atheist, they would blame the universe, you know, because um, something must must cause us to, to do what we do that, that's that's not right. So Jamie, so like with this person, 
So you're saying that, yes, you, would, you wouldn't be angry at the person because you, you knew that it wasn't his fault, but you would still be angry that it happened, right? I'd still be angry it happened, yeah. Right. And then to some, to some degree, I'll be angry at the person who, fucking, uh, who um, spiked a drink because, you know, it's something I just didn't, you know, you wouldn't want to happen. You wouldn't want to see your friend go around doing these things or because of some drug or whatever um, that they've taken. You know? Right. So now, Jamie, with this example, let's use this person who spiked the drink. Let, I, I, should, I should probably come up with a, a different analogy. In other words, like in, instead of a person, instead of a person spiking a drink, let's say there's this chemical that was like – I know this is like a bit science fiction-y, but there's this chemical on, on the ceiling, whatever, that, that just drops into the drink. And you see a drop. You have no idea what it is, but you, you see it. And then so like basically what I'm saying is like so that whether it's the person that, that spiked the drink or it's some kind of like a natural phenomenon – Ultimately, you would be blaming God or the universe. So my question is, how does that feel to transfer the blame from this person to God or the universe? Um, well, it does seem logical, doesn't it? I mean, we, we don't control um, the laws of physics, do we? So. But how does it feel emotionally? And I mean, is it is it like, you know, because like in my experience, sometimes, yes, I, I get angry at God for causing us to abuse animals, for causing us to, to hurt each other. I get angry with God for causing hurricanes and, and, you know, all these things that hurt us. But is it sometimes like, is it sometimes less easy to be angry with God than to be angry with human beings? Well, I don't believe in God. So I, I would just, um, I would just say it's the, um, universe causing these things to happen but still there, there is emotional baggage that comes with like you know form of beliefs man you know all right actually so let's let's explore this so like all right so you're right from from an atheist standpoint it's not the um it's not quote unquote god's fault but it's still i mean do you do you then blame the universe or or does your lack of belief in god lead you to a, a conclusion that you really can't blame anything <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, you could blame laws. You could blame like uh, the universe and still, you know, not believe in the idea of free will. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I, so, like, I, go ahead, yeah, Chandler. Yeah, I think I can answer your question, George. Basically, you are stuck as an atheist. You are stuck with this realization. Wait, you don't really have anything to blame. You know what I'm saying? The, at the very best you can do is you can blame the infinite causal regress, but that doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like everything's to blame, but nothing's to blame all at the same time. It's kind of a paradox. Yeah, and Chandler, it's interesting. You, you know, you kind of like phrase it as like an atheist is quote unquote stuck with this. But, but I think isn't it kind of like a blessing? It's, it, it, explain it. Yeah, I think I can explain it because this is how I experience it. It's like, well, you know, you what it what it comes down to is no is that you like I think of the causal chain and how everything has a cause, and I think, well, wait a minute. In order to like, you know, you might blame a person for doing what they did, but at some point you realize, well, that person's not even responsible for their existence because that happened because their parents had sex. You know, and since, since you can't blame anyone for their parents having sex, 
you know, which caused their conception. And you and and does it make sense to blame a sperm and an egg for uniting? I mean, so what happens is it turns into some kind of a weird philosophical, uh, sexy lack of blame. <laughs> exactly, that's great. All right, so like now let's let's return to the, the theistic perspective again because like eighty ninety percent of Americans are are theists, and and so like what we want to try to do now is absolve God. In other words, like. You know, understanding that we don't have a free will absolves human beings of everything. We can't blame ourselves rationally for anything we do wrong. It's not our fault in any fundamental way. But again, we're left with the possibility of, of blaming God. Um, Jamie, can you, can you explain how there's a way of seeing reality that we can even absolve God? Um, well, that's going to be difficult, you know, because you have to have like some um standard to um prevent well tr at least try to prevent certain things from happening I and mean, we obviously don't want um people going around and killing each other you know so we do things to prevent that we put these people in you know prison you know right and again i'm not referring to like our certainly we're going to have to address when when people do wrong and that, that's kind of like an issue you know apart from blame it's more like an issue of identifying the, the, the proximate causes of, of whatever happens. But like Chandler, can, can you come up with some kind of like a logical, um, you know, explanation that, that actually absolves God also? Well, it's kind of an interesting thought experiment to try this because I don't believe in God. So it's kind of like, um, but I, you know, I, I used to, and it, it's kind it's kind of complicated because you, you kind of have to, um, yeah, you have to believe that that God is a conscious entity that was capable capable of making multiple decisions and specifically chose um, somehow a causally or freely or whatever to do uh, to make the universe as it is or whatever. So that's. It's kind of a hard thing. I'm not even sure if I can like psychologically do that. No, actually, that that's a good point because it's kind of like difficult to attribute free will to God because God would have to have done what God did for certain reasons. Um, let me let me present it in a certain way um, that that isn't. I don't think it's completely satisfactory, but I think it's somewhat satisfactory. Basically, the way we absolve human beings of fundamental responsibility is by recognizing the principle and law of cause and effect that because the causal regression behind everything we do think feel whatever goes back to before we were born then clearly that absolves us now now let's apply this causality to God um, so in order in order to blame God for anything that we human do, beings do that is wrong, we have, to ha we have to identify a specific point in time where God decided to make us do that. Now, here's the problem. You know, the first cause of, of, of our doing that. The problem with that is that, like, our understanding of God... And I think our logical understanding of time is that they are seemingly eternal. That, that you know, 
even though our universe, our known universe goes back, you know, 13.8 billion years to the Big Bang, our logic tells us, well, you know, there, there seems to have needed to be something before that. And with God, like, you know, again, the, the causality of God goes back eternally. And so one way, again, it's not completely satisfactory, but like it does make sense to a certain extent, is like to absolve God, you, you realize that you can never reach that point where God decided to make us do something wrong because there would have had to have been a cause for him to decide that and a cause for, for that and a cause for that. So you have this endless causal regression the, where, where, you know, they're, they're just never – we never arrive at a point where anything's actually ever decided. Again, it's a bit surreal, but it does absolve God. And, and it's interesting because – and here's the, here's the thing. When you're talking to the average, um, you know, American Christian, as I've talked to many online, they say, well, God's the first cause. Nothing came before God. So that means you have to blame nothing. Because nothing caused God to do what he did. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's weird. I, I've, I've never quite gotten that. And, you know, because I think that, that there's an infinite cause of regress. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, That's but a good yeah. point. Yeah, but, I mean, they say there can't be an infinite cause of regress. I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> I hear it. Jamie, you wanted to say something? Um, no. Um, I just sat here listening to you two talking about this. Okay. So absolving God and all this stuff and yeah and, and you know when we say like you know again like um God and the universe like you know in other words we can apply this to the universe also in other words like for atheists who don't believe in God you know an atheist might still be angry at the universe for making us do things that that, that cause us harm right so we can we can apply the same reasoning to the universe the universe goes back endlessly so we can never arrive at a point where the universe actually made any kind of decision because there must have been time before that. Yeah. Okay, and Chandler, now, you, you just, all right, um, as you were talking, uh, it also occurred to me that there is another way that we can perhaps not completely, quote-unquote, absolve God, but that we can, like, understand that God doesn't have a free will um, in the present. In other words, like what I'm saying is like one of the, one of the attributes of, and again, what, what we're trying to do now is establish a rationale to help theists be able to accept the reality that free will is an illusion in a way that absolves God, in a way that doesn't pit them against, you know, God that they very much need to believe in. So, so the idea is that like, okay, one of the attributes of God that it's, I think, universally held, is that God is all-knowing. And it makes sense. You know, if God created the universe, if God is the universe, then if God controls the universe, it makes sense that God would have to know the universe. God would have to know everything, you know, that can be known. Now, here's the thing. So, Chandler, here's the thing, though. So, like, so let's say, let's, let's go back 15 billion years or 14 billion years, right? 14 billion years ago, not only did God know what we human beings would be doing today, God also knew back then what God would be doing today. So, so in a sense, the same. So, in other words, like God's omniscience, the same omniscience um, that 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 kind of prevents 
human beings from having a free will. Because again, if God knew 14 billion years ago what we are going to do today, and if God is also infallible, that's another one of God's attributes, then there's absolutely no way we could have done otherwise. That also applies to God. If God knew 14 billion years ago what God would be doing today, then then essentially we're left with a God that today that has no free will either. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing because, yeah, it's the idea, the whole omniscience thing, it, you know, tied in with that is the belief that the future is set, that the future is already written, it's already predetermined. That's what is required to believe in omniscience. And people don't understand the logical implications of that and just exactly what that means. Exactly. Okay, so Jamie, let's let's explore some other other kinds of considerations that we need to think about that we need to talk about to, to help theists um, overcome this, this belief in free will. Um, can you think of other reasons why, why Christians and Jews um, you know, are unable to, to let go of their beliefs? Because they're, well, one of the reasons could be peer pressure, couldn't it? Because they could be surrounded by other religious people who um, dogmatically hold on to all belief systems, and they just don't want to. They just can't um, let go of it because it just um, they can't wrap their minds around the fact that you know there's no ev- there's no evidence for God, and there's no evidence for free will, and um, it's just um, it's too much of emotional baggage for them, isn't it? So. Jamie, that's an excellent point. I think like what happens in in today's institutions, whether they be government institutions or businesses or religious institutions is that like the people who get elected to the top office, whether it's, you know, presidents of companies or like the Pope and all, a lot of times they don't get elected because they're all that sharp. They're all that bright and all. A lot of times they get elected because they have a very, very sharp emotional intelligence, social intelligence. They know how to get along with people. They know how to be liked by people. And so the problem there is, yeah, as you're saying, so like, you know, you might have people in religions that understand that free will is an illusion, but as long as the Pope or as long as the bishops and all who may not be as bright as them don't get it, yeah, I think they're, they're afraid of, of like, you know, of, of opposing authority in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another, another major, major influence or a reason why people believe in free will, you know, contrary to all evidence, has to do with the, the, the religious belief in hell. Chandler, do you want to explain how, like, the belief in, in hell both creates the belief in free will and prevents people from overcoming it? Oh, yes. I know how to explain this one. See, the problem with the whole hell thing, you know, the heaven and hell thing, the belief that you get an afterlife uh, based on your actions, well, the thing is, it, it implies that you are responsible and that you somehow deserve to be rewarded or punished. And there's, there's two layers to the hell, whole hell problem. First of all, how could anyone do so, something so bad as to deserve um, eternal punishment anyway? But there's also the, the understanding that since you didn't create yourself, your will is not your own making, you can't deserve anything logically. And this is a problem for religion because they require um, they require people being 
morally, fundamentally responsible for everything. That's what they require or the whole system falls apart. Okay, and another part of this is like, so like when, when, when you have, let's say, Christian parents and they have a, a child who's maybe four or five or six, and this child really hasn't developed their intellectual capacities yet. They're, 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 they're not fully mature enough to, to be able to reason well. But, but the, the, the parents might tell this child, listen, if you don't believe in God or if you don't believe what the church says, then, yeah, after you die, you might go to a place, you know, called hell where, where you'll suffer eternally. Now, here's the thing. When, when you know, a, a child might hear this at four or five and then forget it, you know, through, through their childhood and adolescence and into adulthood – but then what happens when it comes to like hearing these explanations of why free will is an illusion, these adults in the back of their mind, you know, deep in their unconscious might have those memories, that memory of that threat that, you know, that, that might have really scared them as a, as a four, five, six-year-old. And so like as an adult, they're unconsciously remembering that and that may be one of the most, you know, salient um, – reasons why people, you know, adults, PhDs, you know, uh, academics who should be understanding this are not able to. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why it's considered child abuse to, you know, teach kids of those ages like four or five about religion, because, you know, you can't, I mean, telling them that um, they must believe in God or they will suffer for eternity, right? It's just abuse, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to go into that in more detail or? Um, yeah, because um, they, they will carry this, um, uh, you know, haunting um, memory and belief that if they don't follow, like, you know, whatever's in the Bible, then um, they, they'll, they'll be scared that they'll, um, you know, suffer if they uh, discontinue believing God because they'll, they'll be considered blasphemers or whatever. Yeah, and, and and I think I think what what um, psychologists have discovered is that like a lot of times this emotional kind of abuse can be much worse than physical abuse. In other words, like if a if a four year old or five year old gets smacked for doing something wrong, you know it, it hurts and they feel bad and all, but they get over it. But if this four or five year old is told told listen, like unless you believe what we tell you, you're going to hell. And let's say, let's say this kid is really smart. Let's say this five-year-old, you know, comes to the, to the realization that like, that, well, you know, like that for God to condemn somebody to, to hell would be completely evil, completely wrong. You know, then this little kid, yeah, is going to like in for the rest of his life, live in fear that, that he's like opposing this major, major religious belief. And the, the, or or it, proposing some major authority, if not like um, by the priests, then by like the mythical god um, that they're fearing. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, guys, we've got about three minutes left. Chandler, can you think of other um, messages that uh, we can deliver to religious people to help them, you know, overcome their their need to believe in free will and, and understand, you know, that that we actually nothing is up to us. Well, one thing I wanted to I want us to clarify is that even though I agree with Jamie and many atheists that you know it is child abuse to teach kids this stuff to the parents who are doing this in their minds and the religious leaders and stuff, 
they think they're doing the right thing. Like, I get that. They think that they're doing the right thing by teaching this because they believe it's true. And so that's part of the problem, you know. Um, and so yeah, I, because they believe they are morally justified. They believe that they're saving the souls of these children by, you know, tell, you know, telling them that, you know, this is what you should believe, you know. Yeah. And so, I just, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I just want, so I just wanted to clarify that, you know, because, because, because even though, yeah, I agree with child abuse, I understand that people aren't intentionally trying to abuse their children. They really think they're doing the right thing. And that's something I've had to learn. Chandler, that's an excellent point. And again, I think we can even extend that to the church and religions teaching the belief in hell. I think like you have to, we have to remember that before societies, before there were like criminal justice systems and police and courts and trials and, and, and all that, you know, they had to figure out some kind of way to maintain social order. So somebody like back then said, well, if we really, really scare people with this kind of like story that they might have believed themselves that um, that it would work. And I, I think for a lot of people, it does work. I think a lot of people who believe that there's a hell, you know, are motivated to behave better, you know, because of that belief. But but I think the salient point is that, like, you know, that's an extremely um, unnecessarily cruel belief that, you know, we can motivate good behavior in ourselves and in others without having to resort to such a, a heinous threat that actually in the minds of many people who have left the church and, and religion, you know, actually ends up, you know, defining God as, as a really, really horrible, you know, vindictive, cruel being. Exactly. All right, guys. Yeah, we've got about 20 seconds left. So Chandler, thank you. Jamie, thank you. This has been a great episode. You're welcome. I think next next episode, let's let's deal more with like this. Like if we don't have a free will, you know, what actually is controlling our thoughts? How do we explain reality? Okay, thanks for listening, everyone.